Welcome to the Third City Christian Church Podcast. This week's message is Cupid Shuffle, Part 2, Love is Sacrifice, recorded Sunday, February 12th, 2023. If you have a story about how God is working in your life, please let us know by sending an email to podcast at thirdcityc.org. Now here's Josh with today's message. As I was preparing this message, I came to realize that my, uh, the way that I was deceived, the way that I had a distorted definition of love had left a wake of hurt in the past of my life, both, both hurt in my life and, the, and hurt in others. It looked like uh, isolation, jealousy, anger, uh, being judgmental. Uh, all of these things were the fruit of me not having a clear biblical definition of what love is. And some of those things I realized were my fault. Like, I'm a, I'm a prideful, selfish human being, so I'm going to have opinions about things, and I'm going to take those opinions into how I look at life. And so I understand that that was part of it, but I also realized that the world that I grew up in had a, had a part to play in it as well. And, and the reason I say that is, like, in my, my household, like, raising my children, my kids would have heard me say, I love my dog, I love my cat, I love coffee, I love uh, nachos, I love, you know what I mean? I can make a list of the things that I love, and then in the same breath, not in the same breath, but using the same word, sometimes it might even feel with the same intensity, you know, like when you go, I love a good plate of nachos. On a Sunday morning, my kids might have heard me singing how much I love my Savior. In our kitchen, they would have heard how much I love my wife. Uh, to their ears, they would have heard me say how much I love them. And can you imagine, like, growing up, how confusing that would be? Like, in the same category, using the same word for nachos as you would relationship. Isn't that odd? And then to, to complicate it more, uh, there, there's other phrases that would be equally as confusing. Like, I think about this phrase... I just fell out of love, falling out of love. Love is love. Uh, the heart wants what the heart wants. All of these phrases creating this confusing soup for a person to, to develop how they view what love is. Because other languages would have multiple words for, a different, um, for the different circumstance that you might use the word love. But the English language does not. And so, as I was looking at this, I was so grateful that Parker chose uh, Titus chapter 3 for us to, to spend our time in during this series because it brings, it, it does so much to explain why we have arrived where we have as a culture on any number of things. So if you have your Bibles, open them up to Titus chapter 3, starting with verse 3. I love the humility that the writer starts with. Good leadership begins with humility. It's so refreshing. He says this. He says, at one time, we too were foolish. We were disobedient. We were deceived and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. He owns it. He goes, you know what? The culture that we've lived in. I was deceived too. I was disobedient too. And then in verse 4, I love this, the, the solution in a moment. He said, but when the kindness and love 
of God our Father, God our Savior, appeared. He saved us. Not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and the renewal by the Holy Spirit. I was, I was refreshed when I read those verses because, you know, um, when, when someone's preparing a message for a Sunday morning, you feel an immense amount of pressure to go, what is it that God is wanting to share with his people this week? And like when you're given the, uh, <laughs> I'm trying to say, I always say this sarcastically, the, uh, uh, I'll just say this, love is a broad subject. You know, where do you start? Where do you finish? Love is a broad topic. And so feeling overwhelmed of where do I start? Where do I end? How do I make sure that I don't miss the most important pieces when it comes to love? And I felt relieved when I looked at this because verse 4 saying, when kindness and love arrived. And kindness and love arrived to our world, third city, in the form of Jesus Christ. That's when kindness and love arrived. And I was so relieved because uh, it, it definitely explained where, we were, where I was going to look. I was going to look at the man Jesus. I'm going to look at who Jesus is, who Jesus was, how he lived, how he loved. And that brought me to the book of 1 John that has one of my favorite passages about love. And so if you have your Bibles, I want you to open to 1 John chapter 4. I'm going to start at verse 7. If you have a Bible app, I want you to open it. If you don't have either, I would truly love to challenge you to do this. You could just close your eyes and listen intently to these words because you're going to hear the word love over and over and over again. And pieces of this are going to resonate with you if you just take time to hear them. 1 John chapter 4 verse 7. Dear friends... Let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. Those verses are full of content. The first one being this. God is love. It defines him. It defines his character. It defines how he exists. It explains every bit of his actions because God is love. And the second thing that it explains is like we'll look at like what God is. How do we live love out? And in verse 10 he simply says this. This is love. And then there's a colon there. So I have to pay attention to the definition. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son 
as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. That word atoning means that he stepped in and made right what was wrong. He took a punishment that we deserve. That was the action of love. And it explains that at the core of what love is, love is sacrifice. I think of the cheapened versions of love that we choose to accept as a society. Like, we we reduce love that it has to be in a romantic relationship, that that that's the only place that love could exist. Like, if we go back to what Parker talked about last week, we connect love only, solely, completely with sex. And the truth in this is that that love is sacrifice. And as I was reading this, I started to get really excited. And I remember thinking to myself, like, my keyboard might be smoking because I was, like, trying to keep up and typing and typing and typing and typing and typing. Because this gives some valuable content where we could actually explore a definition of love that regardless of your age, regardless of your relationship status, regardless of where you live, where you work, what your hobbies are, you can effectively live up, live out a biblical definition of love that is compelling and can be world-changing. And we're able to do that because love is simply sacrifice. And so if you remember, uh, uh, bear with me for a minute, if you remember when you took ACT tests, they would ask you to do deductive reasoning. I think it was one of the parts of that where you would go, um, uh, animals are cats and yeah, you're seeing where I struggled on my ACT test. Animals are cats, Zoe's a cat, so Zoe's an animal. Deductive reasoning, right? Okay. I, I, I think that's the right definition. Someone can send me a message if I got that wrong, but I think that's right. So if God is love and Jesus is God made man, then Jesus is love. Follow me? We can follow that reasoning. If God is love and scripture says Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us, God in flesh, God made human, then that means Jesus is love. And the great thing about this, it means that we can look at the gospels that have recorded the life of Christ and we can look at every word that Jesus says, every action that he steps into, every relationship that he engages in, and we can go, this is Love, when he puts his hand on a paralytic to heal them, when he touches a leper, when he, uh, when he steps into a difficult conversation with hard-hearted church leaders, it is God is love. And my favorite image of his love is on the last night that he spent with his closest followers. It's referred to as the Last Supper. Jesus had spent some considerable time alone in the garden, being with his Father God in prayer, and he was walking into a room where the 12 people that he had been closest to during his time of ministry were all in this room. And like, I could just imagine walking in going, okay, what are all the things that I I feel like I need to cover uh, I'm going to be gone soon. What, what, what wisdom do I want to leave? Like that's the human part of me. And what does Jesus walk into? He walks into a room where his closest followers are arguing about who is going to be the greatest in the kingdom of God. And these are the ones that he loved the dearest. And scripture said this. It said at this moment, Jesus showed them the full extent of his love. And when I heard that phrase, it's like, I better pay attention uh, because 
the full extent of Jesus' love. This is going to be the purest form of God-loving humanity. And this is what it was. It wasn't a speech. It wasn't hugs and kisses. It says that Jesus took off his outer garment, grabbed a bowl of water and a towel, and he began to wash his disciples' feet. In that culture, the washing of the feet was reserved for the lowest servant in the house because it was a filthy job. I mean, I can, I can think about washing your feet now, and it kind of, uh, like some of you in here are like gagging just thinking about that. Like, I don't want to touch another human's feet. I, I'm a little bit with you because, like, you know how they got the crusty stuff on the heels and the sides? You got bunions. You got ingrown toenails. Let's not talk about, like, if someone has a really bad case of athlete's foot and it looks like, uh, it looks like a, a science project between their toes. Feet are nasty. Now, my feet aren't nasty. No, I'm just kidding. Like, like feet are generally gross, and we walk around in shoes and, and socks, and, and so our feet are generally clean. I will tell you what Jesus was walking into, Third City, was not that. His followers had worn sandals. They had been walking the roadways. They had been walking the dusty paths. And you know how people complain about the emissions of cars? The emissions of the vehicles that were ridden first century were much more disgusting to your feet. A few of you are following me on this. Because that means they were walking in with that crusted to the sweat of their feet. And Jesus took the role of a humble servant and served, sacrificed, humility, and he loved them. And it wasn't just about the action. Like I think about 12 prideful guys in a room going this, I ain't washing their feet. No, Peter's always been a punk. I ain't touching his feet. Yeah, like, you know, Judas, like he's always greedy with all the money. Like I, I'm tired of him telling me I can't spend money. I'm not washing his feet. You can imagine the, the personalities that were in there. And this is what got me. First of all, the action was humbling. Jesus knew what the future held for all 12 of those men that were in that room. Jesus knew that Judas had already sold him out for 30 pieces of silver. Jesus knew that it was at Judas's hands he would be arrested. Jesus didn't skip over Judas. Jesus washed his feet. There were 10 other followers that when Jesus was arrested, they fled, they ran, scared. They panicked. They bailed on the one that they had been calling Lord for all those years of ministry. Jesus, those 10, he washed their feet. He served them. I could imagine maybe the, the emotion of those guys as he was washing their feet going, I should have seen this. I should have been the one to wash feet. I'm humiliated that my, 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 my teacher, my leader, my rabbi, my savior, my Jesus is washing my feet. And then Peter, the one that said, Lord, I will never leave your side. Lord, even if it costs me my life, I will not leave your side. Peter's the one that when Jesus was on trial being lied about, he was brave enough to be outside the building, kind of looking in, going, I know Jesus said something great's going to happen, and I don't see how this is going to go down. Someone comes up and goes, hey, I... I know you, you, you know him. You're, you were one of his followers. And he goes, 
I don't even know the guy. Who are you talking about? I don't know what you're talking about. I don't even know the guy. That Peter, Jesus washed his feet. And this is where the Cupid shuffle is, third city. We're very confused as to what love is. With Valentine's Day coming on Tuesday, there's people in this room that go, how am I to celebrate a day like this simply because of my relational status? And we'll talk more about that next week. I will tell you, your ability to love has nothing to do with your relational status. Your ability to love has nothing to do with your resources. Your ability to love has nothing to do with any of that. Your ability to love is tied directly to your willingness to sacrifice for those around you. If you're gonna love like Jesus loves, like that's, that's the key in this whole thing. That's the Cupid shuffle. The world is telling us that love is, is, is dinner and flowers and candy and teddy bears and attention and, and look at me and look at me and, and give me what I want. But biblically speaking, if we're to be love unlimited the way that Jesus was, love is simply sacrifice. And that's a Cupid shuffle. I look, at the, I look at the cross and I look at how we've chosen to settle for a lesser version of love and I wonder how God is feeling heartbroken as he would go, can't they see how rich and beautiful my love is for them? Because after that, after that last supper, Jesus was arrested, he was betrayed, he was arrested, he was put on trial, he was lied about, he was beaten, spit upon, cursed at, stripped naked and nailed to a cross. All for love. All for compassion. All because of 1 John 4, verse 10, this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. So I think back to that last supper and I think about this room and I think about the man on the stage. And who might I be in that story? Am I the one that when life gets difficult, I run? Am I the one to betray Jesus in his moment of need? Am I the one to sell out for something cheaper like Judas did? Because as we look at that and as we consider that, it's not about uh, because you've done that, you're unworthy. It's about as we look at what love is, love is Jesus knowing exactly how you're going to live your life out this week. And he's going, child, I'm going to wash your feet anyways. It's sacrificial. I, I know what you're going to do next month. I know what you're going to do this afternoon. And I, you need to know that I love you anyways. Let me wash your feet. And when he, it says that Jesus not only was willing to go to the cross, he embraced the cross, scorning its shame. And it was out of sacrificial love. 
for you. That he embraced it. And I can't imagine him thinking what we have done with this concept of love, that it's disposable. And the, the minute that, that I'm not getting what I want, the minute that you're not meeting my needs, I, I, my love is contractual. I will quit giving it out unless I get what I want in return. Think of how opposite of a biblical definition of love that that is. It cheapens it. Because love is so sacrificial. And the last piece that we need to know is that when Jesus was on that cross, uh, and as he breathed his last breath, Scripture records that one of the phrases that he, that he spoke at the very end of his life is, it is finished. I've always been very curious about what that was, like he finished his purpose here on earth, but it was reinforcing what 1 John 4 said in verse 12. It said, no one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. Third city, Jesus' love, the love of God is made complete in you. As you receive it, And as you love others, his love is made complete in you. As you receive it and as you love others in the sacrificial way that Jesus demonstrated on the cross, his love is made complete in you. So when the word love comes up, I wonder what comes to mind for you. Uh, A lot of people, it could be a big red heart, it could be a teddy bear, it could be a bouquet of flowers, it could be, like I said, a a romantic dinner, it could be music, it could be dancing. Um, Jesus has painted a very different picture for us in the book of John and the other gospels and how he loved people. And I think about the Roman cross that Jesus was crucified on, what it was intended for. Uh, The Roman cross, third city, was an instrument of torture Uh, It was intended to inflict uh, fear, uh, shame, obedience in people that were a part of Rome's uh, territory. It was intended to keep people in line. It was intended to be judgmental. Uh, the, The concept of being publicly executed with no clothes on at eye level so that your accusers could come and curse at you in your final moments of life. Whenever a Roman citizen would see the cross, they would definitely not imagine the Christ. They would not think about love because everything about it was guilt, shame, and humiliation. But Jesus did what Jesus does best. Beauty from ashes, right? He took what Rome used, a filthy, dirty crossbeam that was stained with, gener- with a generation after generation of human that had been nailed to its, to its members. And, and the, the wood had been splintered from nail after nail being driven into it, stained with the blood of many different people. And he turned it into a thing of beauty when we see a cross in a baptistry. It represents love. It represents life. People will adorn 
their garments with a cross. You will decorate your homes with a cross because when we see the cross, we don't see the things the Roman government intended. We see love. And the cross is the most perfect illustration of sacrifice that has ever existed. It was selfless. It was a sacrifice that you couldn't do on your own. It was a sacrifice that you needed, whether you knew it or not. But Jesus was willing. So when we look at a cross, we see love. Here at Third City Weekly, we take communion. And we remember the cross when we take communion. We remember sacrifice when we take communion. And one of the pieces of communion that I've, when I say struggle, it means I'm letting you into a piece of how I processed my own spiritual life. I've had a challenge with going, what in the world could I offer an eternal God in return for his sacrifice? I've got nothing to give. In Romans chapter 12, it says, Josh, offer your body as a living sacrifice. It doesn't use my name. Offer your body as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. That's what God wants from me. And so when I take the bread, we're invited back to that upper room in that last supper. And Jesus said, when you take this bread, you eat it. And when you eat it, you remember me. You remember my sacrifice on the cross. And when we take this cup in this moment of worship, we're invited again back to that upper room where Jesus took a cup and he looked at his followers and he said, you take this and you drink. And when you do, do so in remembrance of me. Remember the sacrifice I made. Remember how I loved you. And so when we're in this moment, Third City, sometimes you may find yourself in a seat of needing to receive that love. Sometimes you may find yourself in a seat of needing to offer that love and God is calling you to both in this moment. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for being the perfect image of love. Lord, we know that it's impossible for us to love perfectly. But you have done it so well. We've let the world around us distort what love should be. Father, help us to run to you, the author and perfecter of our faith, the one who is love. Let us do that over and over and over again so that we will have the capacity to love this world around us that is starving for you. Thank you.
Well, throughout these weeks, we are shuffling around our ideas of what true love is, what true good sex is, what good true relationships are. And we know as you walk back into the world, especially today as we're likely watching the Super Bowl and then into this week, this world is going to throw a lot of ideas at us of what these things are. And um, our hope is that we would be people who represent what they truly are and what God is calling us to something better. And I was thinking about Valentine's Day and last year I had a really memorable Valentine's Day. I was a chaplain at a hospital in Chicago and I had a day full of just caring for this one family who was, their, their father was dying, their husband was dying. Um, it was his last moments on earth and so just coming around them, caring for them, caring for the staff that was taking care of him in these moments and to see this love on display of this father for his kids and his spouse that was real you know over 50 years of real marriage hard marriage full of ups and downs and then I will never forget after this whole day the nurses were getting ready to leave and I was talking to this nurse that had been caring for this family, and I said, what are you doing tonight? You know, it's Valentine's Day. And all of a sudden, the tears welled up, and then she just started bawling. And she told me about how hard this year had been and how she'd lost this relationship that she thought was going to be everything and just was feeling really crappy about going home alone tonight. And I'll never forget that. And I wanted to share it with you because I don't know your story, but I know we all have one. And I know we all have wounds from what love has been shared with us, this world's version of love. And as we step back into our spaces, our places, our families, God is calling us to more. And I want to challenge you with this scripture of Paul's words, and he's talking, you've probably heard this scripture before, but what true love actually looks like. And I want to challenge you as you walk back into your places to just grab a hold of one aspect of love that God's calling you to lean into. Paul says, love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It's not proud. It doesn't dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. It isn't easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but it rejoices with truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. Third City, may we always offer this kind of love to the people next to us, to the people that we run into at the grocery store, to our community. May we be known for this kind of love, for the love of our Father. Thanks for listening to the Third City Christian Church Podcast. Please join us for one of our worship services at 9, 10, 15, or 11.30 a.m. in Grand Island and at 10, 15 a.m. in Broken Bow on Facebook Live and at thirdcityc.online.church each Sunday. For more information about Third City Christian Church, send email to podcast at thirdcityc.org. 
Call us at 308-384-5038 or visit us online at thirdcityc.org.